Alright guys, welcome back to the fourth episode of Primal Alchemy's Red Pill Initiation Hour here with your host, Chris Story. So before we start guys, I just want to touch base with a few little things and then we'll progress on with the show. So the first is the notification of the evidence that Christmas is just around the corner. So for anybody out there who's got a family member that is into their fitness, they're into their health, they're into the physical, mental, spiritual optimization game, and you've got no idea where to get them, then yo, check out primalchemy.co.uk and check out Vitruvian Protein, our flagship protein superfood powder, only product in the world to be certified organic, keto, and paleo certified, made here exclusively in the UK. So it's a great present idea, even if you want to go for the 25 grams for the uh, for a stocking filler, or if you want to commit a little bit more and go for the 500 to one kilogram uh, bag options, then I think the uh, I think the recipient of the of the present will be fucking chuffed. It's a sick present, and uh, even if you want to do it for yourself, then yo, why not? Nothing to lose, and especially with the 10% discount from using the pill, um, using the code sorry red pill. That's the code red pill. You'll get an exclusive 10% off to be able to use on any of the products at primalchemy.co.uk. Uh, just use that in the discount section at checkout, and yeah, you'll get 10% off your current shopping basket. So hopefully you've got a, a few more ideas now, guys, for Christmas. And now um, moving on to the actual guest of the show for episode four, which is uh, Mr. DJ Murakami. So I came across DJ on Instagram under his um, tag uh, Strong Camps, and yeah, just really impressed with DJ man. He's he's truly next level. Like when you look at him, he's got a solid background. He's a FRC certified uh, mobility specialist. He's uh, a, a, someone who's uh, re-switched on when it comes to his um, outlook and philosophy on movement. And the more sort of, I guess, the the internal spiritual connection to movement practices. Uh, yeah, just an all around just interesting guy. He's uh, you only have to take one look at his uh, his Instagram account and see some of the shit he gets up to, and it's it's just fascinating. He's he's um, first of all built like a miniature Wolverine, and jacked like shit and so fucking strong he's got like his most recent video is him doing like a single arm snatch with a with a fucking trolley and it's just like damn bro it's like yes i love it something unorthodox um but at the same time very authentic in in just uh just his own personal approach to fitness and yeah he's very well respected within the health and fitness industry and it was great to have him on and we had a good little chat. We went over things like um, DJ's opinion on uh, the internal and external validation of why we exercise, like what is the reasoning behind it and how our motivations are um, affected from that. We were looking at one of DJ's pet hates, which is the industry's uh, the industry's import the the amount of importance that is put upon strict form within exercise and how that can lead to not only um, not only to injury physical injury but 
in in also the effect it has on us psychologically with how it limits us to our intuitive nature to pursue what feels good so yeah something really interesting um was it, it was a really nice chat i was a little bit bummed out because once we stopped airing me me and dj just uh went back and forth a little bit more and we went fucking deep pretty pretty quite a lot deeper than what we did do on the actual recorded show and i was like man i could have wished that i I had that shit recorded in order to be able to present to you guys as well, because there were some really good topics that we covered that, yeah, we just didn't get round to on the, um, on the live recording, which, which is a bit shitty, but, um, yeah, it shown me as well, another layer of DJ that doesn't necessarily get come across in this interview or this chat for a better way of describing it. And, uh, yeah, and I'm probably going to get DJ on and again in the future where we can discuss more of the topics that we were doing off air because I think that's something that would have been invaluable uh, invaluable for you guys and definitely would have been something to interest you. But uh, nonetheless, the talk that we had was still pretty lit and uh, a lot of good information out on a little bit of a change from the previous podcasts. This one is more to do with the physical exercise Um sort of branch of the interest of the podcast so take it at will see what you think of it and hopefully you guys enjoy it you get something out of it as always again please give me a review or just some feedback you can do this on instagram dm me directly you can do it on my youtube channel primal alchemy you can do it i leave a review on um, itunes spotify stitcher any of the big major podcast apps where you find this at just drop me some feedback and it's very much appreciated and as always guys i'm in this one for you i'm in this to make you the best person you can be so anything in return means the world to me guys all right let's uh let's get on to the good shit and let's initiate episode four let's go for it you take the blue pill the story ends you wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe you take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. As above, so below, what lies without resides within. Time for growth to begin. Mental, physical, and spiritual, we find balance with all three as we focus on totality. The whole, not the half, this is for those on a spiritual path. Looking for the clues to the answers of life But the truth ain't always nice So leave your ego at the door Let your inner lion roar And your spirit soar As we go deep down to the molecular level Tap into the body with some yogic breath Throw in some calisthenics for a true strength test Like the shamans of old We use the nature to heal With a little bit of DMT to reveal This whole life journey is a little surreal And your mind needs a leader Not a follower in life Let your mind be the master And you pay a hefty price This next 60 minutes is about self mastery it's not an easy path and it's a lifelong journey but we up to empower with this red pill initiation hour with this red pill initiation hour brought to you by Prima Okami the matrix is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth Alright, three, two, one. I'm alive. Sweet. Alright, guys, welcome back to episode four of Prime Alchemy's Red Pill Initiation Hour. Today's guest is DJ Murakami. And how are we doing, DJ man? What's up? 
Yo, I'm doing good, Chris. Thanks for having me on, man. Yes, pleasure, dude. Uh, I'll, normally what I do in the beginning of the podcast on the intro that I record after this is I give a little brief explanation about yourself and uh, how I come to find you. And just telling you now, man, I'm te- it's there's not many people on Instagram that can just wow me with the shit that they upload in terms of their physical capabilities. But you're one of them, dude. Uh, really next level in just the material that you're posting in terms of your philosophy of training, but then your embodiment of that with just the, just to create just those crazy movements you get up to, man. I think like one of your most recent posts, you were doing like a single arm, like jerk and press of a shopping trolley. And how heavy are those things? Uh, they're not too heavy, but they look cool. And, yeah, and that's well, what matters. Fuck, man, you know? it did look cool. <laughs> Indeed. So, um, yeah, man, if you wouldn't mind just giving everyone a bit of a like bit of a lowdown about yourself and yeah, just I'm all ears to learn about you, dude. Yeah, I mean, um, I, dude, I, I just want to pick on something you said. I've kind of been um, having a little inner crisis about the the performance flashy movements on Instagram that I've been posting. Or, or have in the past because I've kind of slowed down on it. It's, um, it's something that actually you could find all over Instagram. <laughs> like there's a Juju Mufu everywhere. There's all these people doing crazy shit. Um, I, all these people who I, I save all their posts because I want to try the cool things they're doing. Um, yeah. And I, I think what, like, what do I want to put out there? Like the, the external movement or is there a way to um, express something deeper like an internal movement? Uh, yeah, and I've been kind of conflicted with that lately um, because, yeah, I don't, I don't know if that's a game I want to pigeon self or pigeonhole myself into is, is the, the external performance if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah, no, true, man. I totally get you. But it is, it does build on, you know, those, those things are built off of something deeper, um, uh, an internal practice, I think. And, uh, yeah, I'd like to, I'd like to expose that more, um, if it's possible. I mean, how do you expose, uh, in, in experience, something internal, something, uh, in the, in the present something subjective um but i I think instagram could be a good platform for that and i think that is something that's connecting like the algorithm is connecting these communities and these people on this uh same frequency and i think it's one of those unspoken things that we're all tapping into and connecting on um we just have to kind of give it a name you know it's uh it's definitely motivating mate i mean it really depends if the person who's doing it is looking is doing it just to have that external validation but um it's definitely motivating to see people do these sort of feats of strength feats of like movement possibility and potential and for me it's been it's been great seeing you guys on uh just yeah on instagram or any on youtube any sort of um technological sort of medium it's 
there's just because generally speaking when I first got into health and fitness when I was around 15 16 I was I think like every guy is when they first start training it's all about just getting big it's all about just getting big putting on mass getting strong as fuck and it's you typically just fall into the the bro routine the the standardized um sort of gym routine entry routine they'd give you if you started at a commercial gym and Go and then making the transition from that to seeing like what really is like real functional feats of strength is motivating, man. And it really takes your body to the next level. I guess going back to your point, it just depends on what your sort of motivation is for doing it. Is it something to benefit from in the external or is it more of an internal gratification or sort of training procedure? Yeah. Or if you could even separate those two. I mean, yeah, I love, <laughs> I, I love training to get, to get jacked. I love training for aesthetics, um, for symmetry, proportionality, like all the same things. Cause I was the same. That's why I got into the gym, growing out and getting a pump and all that. Um, and I still enjoy that. Um, and I think the reason I, en- we enjoyed that was because it gave us a sense of, it, it made us feel good. You know, uh, it, it does something to your nervous system. Like you, even before this podcast, like a year or two ago, which is funny, like I would have been too nervous, too fearful and afraid to, to speak on a podcast. Um, and it's funny looking back on that. And I've done like after, you know, doing more and more, I noticed that every time I would do a podcast, I would do a workout before and like schedule it on like my chest day. (laughs) (laughs) Testosterone is high. I call it chest day. Yeah. But like some sort of horizontal pushing. Um, But yeah, it's like that, that pump, (laughs) that feeling gives me a sort of um, confidence, I guess you could say, or, you know, I, I feel um, more comfortable uh, speaking. And, you know, I think that's along the same thread of what we're talking about this. It's related to the aesthetic exterior, like these muscles, which are really just connected to, um, to motor motor neurons and your nervous system, which is correlated to really different movements are tapping into different parts of the nervous system, right? So if you're going on a uh, a run or a jog, you're in more of this um, parasympathetic flow, nasal breathing type. If you're doing like throws or, you know, a, a heavy lift, something explosive, you're tapping into more of this fight, this sympathetic response, which people are shitting on lately. Like everything has to be in parasympathetic. Like, I don't agree with that. I think you need to tap into all these different expressions of emotions and the states of your nervous system. But um, now I'm, I'm kind of digging down. And that's one of the things I mean by like an internal expression. Like, I think these are more the reasons why we do, why we work out. We all want to feel good. Like we're chasing something by doing these things. Um, and we're chasing a feeling. And uh, I think if we could not kid ourselves that we're just um, moving to be functional or correct or for some health markers, some arbitrary 
whatever they tell you you need, you know, these standards in the fitness industry. And we're really just doing it so we could feel better and, and feel good or maybe express some, some shit we have inside of us. Then I think we're getting closer to uh, why we all started working out and fell in love with it. For sure, man. And uh, Paul, Paul Check goes in on this and he breaks it down really well. And he talks about the difference of working in and working out. And then the comparison of the two is the same as comparing the yin and the yang. So you've got the yin as like the, the representing the feminine energy, the which is anabolic. And then you've got the uh, the the yang, the masculine energy, which is going to be catabolic. And it's the balance of those two uh, that we kind of we're sort of subconsciously programmed to uh, to reach the middle point. And it's through training and through learning through different forms of training you learn your body more that you become more in touch with these sort of subtle energies that run shit behind the scenes and it's we we're striving for that higher source that higher connection within ourselves that we really become we really do come face to face with when we do when we sort of push our bodies to the to the next level and really get in touch with the body's intuitive intelligence if you get what i mean Oh, I love that, man. Yeah. Uh, Paul Check, I remember he would do, uh, uh, I think it was painting or drawing in between yeah. sets. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. going through with it. I love it. But yeah, it's it's like a, uh, the Tao, man. It's all about finding that balance um, and connecting these dualities. But that's definitely, yeah, that's definitely something I think that we can connect to on any level, no matter what you do, um, no matter what mo- modality of training. Because how I see it, what we're doing now is it's great because people are open to exploring all these different facets of training, like yoga, like um, Wim Hof breath work, like all these different things. But it seems to be compartmentalized and separated. But I think you can incorporate all those things in like our basic um, Globo Gym machine workouts or in CrossFit or in whatever you do. I don't think you need to go through different avenues to achieve these things. I think you can achieve it where you are and, and with the goals you have in mind. It could be just another training variable that we add in. Um, so that's what I've been experimenting with and it's – um it's it's brought a lot of the balance and pieces together uh, again Hmm. so how did you how did you get to this point that you're at now like where did your journey start and like what sort of major transitions have you made along the way has there been any specific milestones or has this just been the accumulation of just like years of practice and like sort of self-work oh man uh Started with my ancestors long ago, passing down genes <laughs> randomly, but probably not randomly, you know? Just Neanderthal. It, it, yeah, lots of Neanderthal <laughs> in my, my genetics. <laughs> Thank you, 23andMe. But uh, yeah, led, led to us talking right now. It's all fate. But yeah, I mean, uh, I went from, let's see, playing as a kid, like, I'm sure we all did in, in our generation. How old are you, Chris? 
uh, 25. Okay. Do you play a lot when you were a kid? Yeah, from what I remember. I mean, I think I was quite a normal kid. I like I liked doing sort of active shit, but at the same time, I think I was plagued by most of my gen, the same as most of my generation, which is just the rise of technology and having like a, a Game Boy, a Game Boy Color, Game Boy Advance, PSP, and kind of spending like to be honest with you, probably a bit more time on that than I did doing any sort of physical activity. But I was always there was always something inside of me where when I did physical activity, I felt. I felt kind of it allowed me to be in the moment even though you are kind of in the moment all the time as a kid it felt like I could get deeper into some sort of thing something I didn't understand at the time if that makes sense yeah I mean that's that's interesting because I think that's like you were the first generation to um on that that uh, rise of technology that changed everything and I think what what people get during video games and playing is the same thing, like the same engagement. It's, it's playing. It is play. Um, it's just not as embodied unless I guess you're on a um, Xbox 360 nowadays, <laughs> which kick my ass. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, I went from playing to uh, more sports, uh, got kind of specialized in sports, fell in love with the exercise part of it. Um, then went into training and coaching and then i got really into quotes functional training um went through a crossfitty type of phase like a power bodybuilding phase um got big into olympic lifting fell in love with that um in each one of these phases i was getting injured and running into walls and i would switch to another one and every time i was in another one i was like oh this is the way this is what all my other clients have to do because this is what I believe in. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I'm sure everyone does, you know? Um, and so, yeah. And then I went through a calisthenics, like body weight training phase for a couple years, went into the, the whole movement, uh, phase, you know, uh, that a lot of people are into now. And, uh, I think I'm at a point in my life currently where I'm not, really going for any external movement or skill. I'm trying to go back to um, the play aspect and, and just feeling good and the, um, the inner work as we were talking about earlier. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I get you, man. It's today's society. We're kind of programmed to always be sort of chasing uh, an external achievement, be it, in sort of our careers or in fitness fitness goals it's always got it's always an external achievement very sort of dopamine um addicted we are in society it hit that achievement and then you get that dopamine dopamine response and it's it's a hard one because it's you just keep getting where there's like a point in the it's uh it's almost like you can never you can never catch the dragon. You're always chasing the dragon. You're always you hit one thing and you're like, "Well, okay, I'm just going to keep pushing it. I'm going to keep pushing it." And if you've got that mind frame where it's always going to be externally validated for your sense of achievement and sort of contentment, then it's a hard, it's a hard game to be uh to be participating in compared to the sort of inner work or doing the inner work, which is a, it's a different type of motivation. It's a different type of, um, 
sat- like achievement satisfaction that you gain from it, right? Yeah, it's it's harder. I mean, you could chase. I, I don't think it's it's very sustainable. I mean, I, I personally, and this is what I saw with uh, clients and other other train like other trainers. Trainers are the most injured, like jacked up people. <laughs> True. <laughs> like, it really is. They're 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 usually former athletes. They're studs. They have a lot of capacity, um, but they just push their body. And um, yeah, I know a lot of them that are, are suffering physically. And me personally, I would do these things, and I would get really good at that external thing I was chasing, that dragon, like. I got good at exercising, but it did not make me feel better. It did not make me a better human. Um, and it did not make me happier. So, yeah, I, I <laughs> the only way I learned, I had to find out the hard way. But um, it, it's just like, think about academics or knowledge. You know, like, we are always searching for information. We're always consuming all this information because uh, we think it'll give us something. But, you know, it's very hard to sell a practice like meditation, right? Like, it's very hard to sell, uh, first of all. <laughs> and it's very hard to do. Like, it's one of the hardest things to do. And it sounds too simple. Um, but it is one of the most beneficial, like mentally, emotionally, physically. And I think it, it, there's a similar thing going on with uh, people's orientation or intention with training. In what way? Sorry, a bunch of people came to the window and are waving at me. <laughs> so I got <laughs> distracted. Um, sorry, what was the question? Uh, in what way was, would it be the same or different? Sorry. Yeah. Um, because if you give someone, uh, an external skill, to achieve one, they could post it on Instagram Two, they get the validation because they achieve the metric or the standard. Um, it is attainable, but, uh, by what, by what means is it attainable? If that makes sense, uh, an internal practice, you can't really show to others it can't really be isolated and um quantified and validated by other people uh it's really it's really on you to um keep yourself honest with it yeah you know um yeah if i say go lift this 400 pounds i can get someone to eventually lift the 400 pounds i don't know if that's going to make them uh once they lift the 400 is that making them a uh, happier, a better person, you know, all these things because of the goal being an external task that they did. I mean, if, if, if in running and cardiovascular endurance exercise made you healthier, then I think we wouldn't see these um, elite competitive marathon runners and endurance athletes suffering from cardiovascular disease at early ages, right? Uh, if squatting made you have healthy hips and was a functional exercise, the best squatters in the world who are squatting the most weight are having hip replacements in their 40s. Um, like you could, 
take this down the line. So is it is it the actual getting good at this external feat or are we missing something here? And I think I think we're kind of looking in the wrong direction. So what kind of if someone's to come to you and they're like, all right, DJ, I love I love what you're saying here, but like, where do I start? And what would be some good uh, what would be some good like introductionary practices or protocols to sort of integrate into my life in order to start to feel this uh, benefit? Not so much from a quantitative uh, result based perspective, but more qualitatively. Yeah, an an easy thing people could do is, um, I guess, instead of focusing on the external movement they're creating, um, to look at the pieces of your body, of yourself that's creating these movements, right? Like, look at your joints. Are they functioning well? Do they have capacity? Um, Because you whatever you have available, um, you will use all your weapons by all means to get the job done. That includes compensations. You know, that includes cheating. Like I don't like any of those words, but, um, the point is you will get it done by any means possible. And my eyeball can't look at that and be like, Oh, you're doing it wrong or right. Like just, giving your body more options and more freedom, I think is one of the best things you can do. And that's an internal aspect because it's not about producing an external movement or task. It's about looking internally of what you have available, opening that up. And then uh, on top of that, how do you feel? Like, do you feel good doing this? Do you feel bad doing this? Do you enjoy it? Like pain is a, is a funny, um, thing people experience because it's so tied to their perception of movement a lot of times, uh, mm. especially chronic pain, you know, um, a story I tell people in my workshops is about a client I had who we have a sandbag on the ground, right? So I say, pick up the sandbag and press it overhead. So she picks it up, presses it overhead and then drops it. Okay. Next, I say, okay, I want you to deadlift the sandbag. So she like sets up and, and you could tell she's really trying to make it look correct. Sets up in this, in this posture and like goes to pick up the bag a few inches and drops it and is like, I, I can't do this. This just hurts my back. I can't get it up. And I just thought a second ago, I had you pick it up off the ground and lift it overhead. And you did that effortlessly with no problem. Like you, you deadlifted it before. But just the emotional baggage behind the word deadlift mm. um, brought up so much. Like she she might have hurt her back deadlifting before. It might have had a negative association. She might have tried to alter her form and able to do it in that the way she was doing it was causing pain. Like I don't know. But uh, yeah, allowing people to do what feels good. I think, and not create so many rules, which are all arbitrary, right? Even these exercises we choose are, if we were in a different reality or are a different culture, we would be looking at things very differently. I mean, if we, we look at how the 
the Chinese Olympic lifters are exercising, it's very different than how we view correct exercise and biomechanics. Yeah, I love that in the page. Western culture. They've got a special oh. Instagram page that I follow, following all the uh, the Chinese weightlifters. I forgot what it's called now. I think it's called like Ma underscore strength or something like that. Ma like, strength, hell yeah! I is love that, that the one? Oh, fuck, I thought I was making yeah. that up. Then sweet, yeah, that is the one, <laughs> and it's uh. Yeah, man, it's fascinating watching how they train. And it's the same as the Chinese and even the Russians. Um, just like the East, like, it's just, again, it's that, it's that distinct, distinct contrast between the East and the West. It seems to have it, it plays out on many levels in, um, in life. And yeah, the way they're just their, their man's mentality and the way they train over there is completely different to and completely contradicts what a if you go to like a real highly ranked exercise physiology institution somewhere in Europe or in the states and get them to present you with the um the correct way the correct program in order to become an olympic level athlete and then you go check these guys out on the other side of the world completely different but they're producing like next level athletes mm-hmm. yeah i think the whole <sighs> I fucking hate when people pull up that correct and incorrect, the the red check mark and the green X. Like, oh my god! It, <laughs> and these are mostly PTs who are dealing with people with pain, and I don't think they're doing them any favors. Of course, we need to get people out of pain, and of course, we need to um, stop doing what hurts, you know. And let's modify and find alternatives and all these things. Like, it's it's great. But to put in people's head and put in their perception, which is very linked to pain, that what you are doing are are this whole mode of moving is wrong and bad Mm -hmm. and moralizing it. Oh, man, you're cutting off chunks of their whole world of movement, which should be 360 degrees, which is what we had when we were kids and playing, which nowadays, if you're older and you've went through this correct functional training in this PT that told you what to do not to get hurt. You're living in a different world. Like you're navigating the world with lots of rules that were placed there telling you this is bad. That creates fear. That creates limitation in movement and expression of movement. I think this is a very dangerous thing that people are doing. And yeah, exercise and our idea of correct, um, ways of moving is purely influenced by culture. It's a cultural invention. You know, think about it. We all squat with the barbell. We all deadlift and, you know, do these, like not all of us, but you see this as a standard in Western culture. This is because the creation of a sport, powerlifting, which exercise science picked up on powerlifting, Olympic lifting, That's what they tested. That's where they got these metrics and studies and said, oh, this helps you because it increases um, rate of force production and development strength. Like it could have been a weird other sport. We could be using um, big balls filled with uh, lead that we had to do a dance with. And maybe that's what we'd be studying like in another culture. You know what I mean? Like it's it's so arbitrary. what if what if the weights were smaller and we had to do um, deadlifts from below our, our feet and they were all Jefferson Crow like uh, deficits? Like we got to understand that these we were born into this way of 
in the gym, uh, all these movements and machines, everything is just an invention. <laughs> and then we come, we come up with reasons why uh, it's good for you and why, oh, this is one of the top five movements. Oh, this helps you. Like we're just creating reasons after the thought to um, validate it in a sense. Um, yeah. Sorry, I got on like a a red pill. Uh, <laughs> no, man, I totally vibe with your message. I know, I know what you're saying. It's um, with with movement in general. It's like I when I was training to become a personal trainer when I was younger. It's uh, you get taught these strict uh, techniques, and it's like if you if you differentiate from that technique at all, it's bad and it's going to hurt you. And because of that, it does like subconsciously plant seeds in you that that movement that optimal movement is very linear and not expressional if that makes sense and it's the um it's interesting to see this new sort of subculture of movement movement enthusiasts or people that are experimenting with movement possibilities and it seems to have a direct effect not just on their body's expression to sort of yeah, express their personality, but it affects them psychologically as well. Like it changes you once you're able to fall into that play mode where you're just that inner child comes out and you're sort of expressing yourself through movement. It's like a moving meditation and it, yeah, it just seems to affect people differently. And it's a shame that there's still such a focus that on this strict form and limiting you to really being able to express what feels good for your body and what doesn't. Cause normally most of the time it's our intuition. If it feels good, then fuck it, do it. If it doesn't feel good, then don't do it. You don't need some guy who's got a PhD in biomechanics where he can look at the, the fulcrum of the like angles of the elbow and tell you that is slightly off. So the angles off, so you, you're going to hurt yourself doing this and that surely you, your own internal guides much more, um, much more sort of trustworthy than him. Not saying that his information is not good as well, as well, but you got to learn to rely on yourself. Yeah, Chris. Well, I don't, I don't know about that dude's information, you know, like <laughs> we see, you ever seen that, uh, it it was a viral video of that fucking uh, wooden doll that they would show how to pick up something like lift with the legs, not the back. And it's like the, the body does not work like that. You cannot take a still frame picture of someone doing a movement and say, this is good or bad. Like we're not just um, fulcrums and angles like movement and joints are, are rotational in nature, right? We, we spiral through things. Mm. We have torque and you cannot, I I think the tension and torque is much more important and, uh, foundational than the position. So if you're just looking at positions and angles, that could be two opposite torques going on. You could be doing two different things with your intention, which is another internal thing that's, you can't really measure. And, um, yeah, so I, I don't, I don't like that either. Um, and, and that's something that people, another thing people are saying good or bad, like just think about, uh, the linear shapes and positions of your body. Um, and I think when people get that in their head and that rabbit hole, um, that's usually 
limits uh, the freedom of their movement and uh, their capacity. And, and that's another big thing that we do in Western culture is, yeah, we look at everyone as those dolls, you know, that the PTs are waving around. It's silly. For me, it's um, probably pretty bit too deep. And, but it's just something that I've connected together in my, uh, in my own field of study is that the whole point of movement is that while you're moving through space, moving through time, you're creating geometrical shapes with your body. And it's these geometrical shapes that, well, what we know through cymatics is frequency. So by creating these shapes, you are changing the frequency of your body. So when we're limiting our range of movement, our range of, um, yeah, our, our, our ability to express the internal world through the, through our movement, then we're really limiting the, the frequency that we're operating on as a consciousness. And it's, that's why it's interesting when you see these like dancers, um, I forgot what the specific name is now, uh, like Hindi dancers, and they're doing all these sort of cool shapes with their arms and we're, and then like contorting their body into, into very strange positions, but it's, they're creating, they're creating living geometry, which is, gonna it puts the, it alters their states of consciousness and this is just something that i've kind of pieced together by myself but it's interesting that how the how the uh how the western world or just the kind of the powers of be that direct our um direction in life puts us into this real mechanical um or turns us into this mechanical mechanical like uh linear progression state of mind and movement. Yeah. I think it's another cultural influence. Like we, in modern times, we view the, the body as mechanistic. We view, we view the brain as like a computer and our nerves as wires. Um, before we used to view it as like a hydraulic uh, type of system, before that, we viewed it as uh, more of an organic, like a, a plant-like system. So we're always trying to, which is very hard, describe what we are. We're trying to look inside, and we have to relate it to these things we see outside. Um, so, yeah, I think it's just we're, we're not machines. Um, we're not computers. Uh, if, we, if we snip... Um, wires it, it just doesn't work like that you know what i mean so oh man yeah i i don't know i think uh you were talking about <laughs> traveling through space and time and making uh geometric <laughs> figures um yeah and i think one of the things like what is it that is um moving our body into these figures and I think that's something important to investigate because it's, um, I think it's intent and um, intent and awareness. Mm -hmm. And these are things that I think are even more crucial to explore than the actual shape. Like, um, why are you doing the shape? Um, what shape, what do you want out of the shape? Like the, the why. Cause you could take a squat, right. And, um, like when, when I see squat on a template or a program, 
I just think, you know, what does that mean? It's one of those things that carries all this emotional and physical baggage from your whole life. How were you told to squat? Did Were you ever injured during a squat? Was squatting good? Were you squatting as a power lifter, as an Olympic lifter? Were you squat in India doing like Hindu squats on your toes? Like, what does a squat mean to you? And then what are you thinking you're going to get from the squat? You know, some people are squatting like, in an aerobic class, doing it cyclical to get like um, a certain effect. Some people are doing it for strength. Some people are doing it for full mobility to carry over. Uh, some people are like, if you've ever done breathing squats, uh, tempo squats, pause squats, these are completely different experiences you're having, which as a byproduct give you completely different um, physical adaptations. So, uh, uh, similar to what we were talking about, just of a snapshot of the angle of your body, so many different things can be happening there depending on your intention and what you're trying to focus on and get out of it. So I think, um, yeah, making these, uh, shapes with our body through time, um, if we can hone in and get clear with our intention, which takes, the practice of awareness, like, what am I feeling? Like, yeah. you know, where am I is, is very valuable and important. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I mean, you're training multiple systems because it's the mind, mind body connection that you're sort of really zoning in on. And then you've obviously, um, it's like your proprioceptive, uh, ability to be able to know where you are, where your body's at while you might, during the movement so you so you understand how to sort of progress through the movement freely and impulsively um yeah it's there's there's so many avenues that you can go down when you're um when you're talking about like the philosophy of different movements and you can see why Ido Botao is so fucking sort of switched on and he's so deep when he talks about this because it really is like an art. It's, 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 it is a form of art. It's, but you're expressing, you, you're creating through the, through the movements you make and which is really showing you your sort of, which is really expressing your, um, imagination within that specific moment in time. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's, uh, really broaden the um intensive of movements i mean it used to be really very quantified on weight yeah. like that was usually the intent behind doing something is we have to meet this standard we have to meet these relative strength standards and then once you get good at these exercises you are a functional person <laughs> everything's working correctly um and then we expanded that to um, maybe some body weight gymnastics uh, type skills. Like, okay, once you get the uh, one minute handstand and um, this mana hold and tuck planche, then you are a, a functional human and you have the basics and now you'll be good. And yeah, the, the standards are always changing and always evolving and broadening. Um, which, which is good because it exposes people to more possibilities, you know. Mm -hmm. 
but yeah, you're, it's still, is that, are you still chasing that external skill or are you exploring something else through these tools and modalities? I think they're really all just tools, you know, which, which are all great and all have value. So, um, from your coaching experience and where you are in life now, like what, who, like who's coming to you at the moment? Like what's your sort of general, um, if you could categorize the sort of, um, your stereotypical clientele, like who's coming to you to, uh, and what's their goals at the moment? <laughs> um, yeah. I'm, I don't know how I got into this clientele, but uh, yeah, uh, a lot of CrossFitters, but also a lot of um, uh, movement people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll just call them that. Like these people into <laughs> like these people who could do um, press the handstand and middle splits and uh, a one minute slow muscle up. Um, yeah. So I would, uh, when I talk to these people, I'm like, wow, you can do very impressive things. I can't really do any of these things. What can I help you with? And they're like, yeah, so I've achieved all these goals and, um, I feel like shit, my body's broken. <laughs> I could do these, these amazing feats of strength, but everyday stuff, you know, picking up my kid, like it, it hurts. Um, I've, I've reg- regressed on some, some basic things, um, attaining these, skills that they thought would give them a certain amount of freedom of movement. Um, and then I just, what we do is we bring it back to the internal focus and we check what's there, what's their capacity. Like I'll check, um, a lot of FRC type work. Like, do you have active range of motion? Um, sometimes no, sometimes yes. And that usually improves things when they pick that up. Um, and then things like, um, like, can you create torque in these positions? Like we talked about, like they could do the position, but what is your intention during it? And we find big deficits on that. Um, I'm really just bringing people back to the basics and it's hard for them to break from the intention of working progressively towards an external skill they're trying to create and more of an internal focus. Uh, which we've lost. It, and it's one of the things we've lost with people going away from bodybuilding, like their mind muscle connection, their intent, like it's not about the weight they lift or, or the form they'll, their whole thing is molded around. Am I subjectively getting that feeling and connection in my body? Mm-hmm. Do I feel it? And I think that's a valuable thing. Um, and that awareness in your body that we've kind of gotten away from but yeah that's mainly my my clientele interesting man if you wouldn't mind could you um could you go over because i know that i know that you are like next level at this as well just from because i can see in your videos and your posts just for my audience they're not going to be too aware of this can you explain what um frc is Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, FRC is, uh, stands for functional range conditioning. It's a system created by Dr. Andrea Ospina. Um, and it's pretty much just, uh, so our lens in this type of work is shifted from you creating an external movement, um, to, to the joint level, like how much capacity do you have in your joints as far as rotation and as far as range of motion, um, 
and and the difference it's subtle but it's a huge difference so like if i say how far can you reach your hand over your head your whole body is going to contribute to that movement right you might arch your ribs you might elevate your scapula you might um extend your t-spine all these things so that's more of like what put, what shape can you make with your body um so with the frc practice it's not what shape can you make it's how much um do you have in that joint space of your glenohumeral joint so we lock everything down and we isolate that um so it's a lot of isolation which i think is important to get back to another thing um and then we kind of open that up which is humbling and which isn't sexy and then it's integrated back into your practice and you have more tools more options more resiliency in your body parts available um yeah so if you guys want to check that out but a great practitioner is hunter cook you've probably seen uh, him yeah hunter's uh <laughs> hunter's another one of those that's actually extremely impressive of what he can do when he's uh like his his dexterity in his legs is like next level as well oh yeah he's <laughs> he's like the best yogi but he doesn't do yoga. yeah exactly man <laughs> it's it's crazy if um if any of you who's listening want to check this guy out I've, i think his tag is what did you what did you say dj was it like hunter fitness is it's yeah at hunter fitness yeah, he's yeah you just you need you need to see him just to see just to see some of the shit he gets up to and he does he does one where he does like a um like when you're skinning the cat when you're in like a um like a, a dead hang and you skin but he goes all the way to the point where his shoulders are just like do you know the video? Do you know the clip I'm on about it? Yeah. DJ? yeah, man, it's they, uh, they dislocate. Yeah, 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 and it's just like shit. You're like, all right, Hunter, you know, uh, yeah, beast mode, shit. But very, very impressive, yeah, it's man. Disgusting. Some of the uh, when this this whole FRC sort of um, again, it is almost like a movement. Like it's becoming very popular on uh, within the fitness industry, and it seems to be very beneficial for a lot of people. Um, what is there anything else that people should be looking out for that's on the rise in or not so much on the rise but things that you can see are hash like kind of quote-unquote trending that you think uh is worth people <laughs> looking into yeah i mean so uh like i said i i use the frc principles a lot um and even more fundamental to uh the joints which are the you know the pieces that make up all these movements we're trying to create is the nervous system and intent and um, the, I mean, if you think about a joint, if you tell a joint to move the joint, it can't move on its own. It's pulled <laughs> and uh, twisted and torqued by muscles. Right. So um, if you look into the internal and external torque chains, you know, these things uh, which uh, Julian Pinau if you look him up, he's big into that and big into the correlations with the nervous system, the states of the nervous system, uh, which is another internal, deep internal focus. Um, I would definitely check him out. That It's a really steep rabbit hole. <laughs> he gets into some weird shit, which I love. Um, but yeah, I think your listeners would, would dig that. Cool, man. And just just say his name one more time. Uh, Julian Pinal, uh, 
P-I-N-E-A-U is his last name. Cool. Yeah, to be honest, I, I, I haven't heard of him, so I'm, gonna, uh, I'm definitely going to check him out and see what he's about. Interesting cat. Uh, yeah, it's, so, I mean, as well as the what I like to promote on this through my brand and um, through this podcast to do with, like, physical optimization, mental optimization, spiritual optimization. Is there any other shit that you get up to, to in terms of like your own journey of self-improvement, your own journey of like self-actualization that's not necessarily connected to physical exercise? Um, no, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, I try to stack everything, uh, through embodiment. Okay. Um, so I mean, I, uh, I don't like to compartmentalize these things. So like a breathing practice, I love, I do that with my movement, um, awareness practice. I I love to do that, uh, through stillness or movement, but with my body, um, uh, a huge tool that I've been using the past few years is, um, psilocybin microdosing, Mm -hmm. um, which has great effects on honing in intent awareness during physical practice, especially. Um, yeah, these are all, uh, I, I try to, to stack them as much as I can, but, but all these things I think are, are valuable tools, you know, to integrate in your life. Yeah, man, that's very interesting about the, um, Something I wouldn't mind exploring a bit more, to be honest, is the what you just said then about the um, microdose in the psilocybin mushrooms. I've obviously heard a lot about that in terms of like you improving your sort of mental awareness, and I guess like on, in spiritual practice as well, it's very beneficial. But I've never thought about it in the effects it would have on that sort of mind body connection when exercising. How long have you been in doing that for? Uh, microdosing about three three years over three years really and is it is it something that does do you get deeper into it over time or is it something that um it's like you get the same effect from the word go like when you first do it to now or does it does do you begin does it like do you have to take like tolerance breaks at all before your body adapts to it or anything like that so it's a sub-perceptual dose. So, so I'm doing like uh, maybe 0.2 uh, grams, which isn't much. So like a, a working dose, like a heroic dose, if you want to see God, is five grams, right? Uh, th- 3.5, which is an eighth if you want to like trip. Um, so I'm taking 0.2. So this is very, very minimal. So you're allowed to function. But um, I, I'm pretty sensitive to the like... I don't take much of anything because I feel like I'm very uh, sensitive. So I could feel it's it's almost like a, a small cup of coffee is the feeling that comes on. And it changes. I mean, think just think about the thoughts you have during the day. Like if you, you ever get a text that really bothers you and like or it makes you uneasy and then the rest of the day you're acting different. Um, your posture is different. The way you speak to people, your mood, your interaction, other people can notice it. You might not notice it. Um, so it's a chain reaction of, 
of these thoughts you're having and these actions and how you present yourself. So I feel like it's a small thing that you might not notice that changes these chain of thoughts, um, speech, action, socializing, mood, um, emotion. So it's a little positive boost. And um, yeah, so I just happen to usually do it for like three, four months and then stop. Um, And then I'll go on a pick it up later. But the first time I did it, I only, only in hindsight, kind of retroactively looking back, realized the benefits and how life changing it was. Um, So I did it for like three, four months. Um, And when I looked back, I had more growth in those few months than I did in the past five, six years of my life. Um, That's when I started uh, my website and online training. And um, I threw my bed out and started sleeping on the floor. Um, I did the exact same, man. (laughs) Everyone thinks I'm fucking crazy for it. Do you sleep on the floor? Yes, yeah, man. Yeah, nice. I've been on love it. Few years. I was the only weirdo doing it. Yeah, it, it was hard for me at first, but I enjoy it now. Actually, um, I prefer it. So when I go to Airbnbs, sometimes uh, I'll sleep on the floor, and it, and I feel like, what am I paying for <laughs> this nice bed and this nice room? Uh, I could do this in the street, but yeah. Um, it, so yeah, all the, all these changes happened, um, and I was just very productive, very engaged in just um, doing things I wanted to do without hesitation. So um, I think it's a it's a valuable tool for growth. Um, and as far as how it ties into movement, yeah, if you want to go on the internal aspect, there's oh, there's there's so much there. There's endless amount of possibility. So uh, I think that's one of those things that I've been exploring. Uh, me and uh, my friend, Tom Mountjoy, if you're familiar with the uh, primal movers on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're actually going to start a um, kind of a course uh, community on introducing um, these plant medicines, uh, these internal practices with movement and with your physical mm-hmm. uh, training. Yes which dude, there's so much behind that. And it doesn't have to, I mean, usually that's kind of um, the authority on that is like yoga or Kundalini or these like uh, esoteric practices. But I think all of us could be doing it with our CrossFit growing out at the gym. Like everyone can benefit whatever your goals are. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you don't have to have like yoga and Kundalini and shit uh, sort of monopolize the whole um that that way of thinking and that way and integrating something like that into your practice yeah man that's really interesting can you go into a little bit more depth of like the sort of realizations you've come to through um that sort of uh that whole setup that whole practice yeah i think so um psilocybin uh is a great tool to increase uh awareness so i mean what i've been playing around with the training is really um you know awareness in intention and then action you know that's kind of a a flow that goes into my movement practice so it really allows you to get very clear on your intention 
Um, it allows you to magnify your awareness of your body, especially your breath. Um, and then you can really train and, um, so one of the hardest things I think people have, especially uh, everyday people coming in uh, live to work with me in the gym, is being aware of what state they're in, how they're feeling. Um, usually I ask and people are like, oh, I'm good. I feel fine. But they could be like wrecked inside. I mean, these people come in, um, they're having maybe problems at home with their wife or kids then they go to work and they're just stressed and then they're driving in traffic and they're stressed and then they get to the gym and it's like they're expected to be stressed and, you know, and get their ass kicked. I'm like, well, let's try getting out of that sympathetic state for once during the day <laughs> and try to and get in this flow and control our breathing. And it's so hard for people to to get in that state and let go. It's almost emotional, like doing that almost they feel the weight of of all these things going on in their life and um they're seeing it kind of drop in front of them um so i think it, it's one of the hardest things um but it's a very valuable tool is to be like okay i'm gonna shift or even express this state I'm in, express this anger and anxiety, express this, you know, depression, and then get out of it and, uh, and come into a, a new state. I think that's so valuable. Like, in it, this is things we talk about and people talk about in therapy and in these other practices. But I think, dude, the movement, and this is one of the things that Julian Pinal, our, our Richard Sivas, uh, uh, these guys are exploring is, man, to use movement and embodiment and, and expressing and releasing these things physically is so much easier than, than talking about it with someone mm. like someone like me. I don't like to talk about these things, <laughs> but if, if you give people a chance to just express them, which is really, I think what they're desiring, you know, to just let it out. Um, I think us as coaches are in a, a role to facilitate that and really help people beyond the physical. Um, but, but through the physical. Yeah. It's almost a form of like ecstatic, um, ecstatic dance, right? It's the same sort of thing where you're kind of just letting this sort of pent up emotion or stress, um, just these stagnant energy, uh, blockages within, within the body. And you're really just releasing it. And I'm, I'm guessing that once you, uh, with these sort of micro doses that you take of the psilocybin is that it really begins to open up your, um, open up your acceptance of yourself to be in that state of where you're just letting it go and just, and just be it just literally just, yeah. Acceptance of that's your emotion. You don't have to be, don't, don't be afraid of it. Don't try and hide it. Just let it out. And through it, movement seems to be a, um, a very beneficial way of doing so, right? Yeah, I think it's, um, I think it's one of the the easiest accessible entry points to expression of because it's. I mean, really, when you're having these things go on, it's we try to like rationalize it, 
you know, <laughs> which we try to use uh, intellectualization, but you know, it's really, it's really like we feel it in our body. This energy is, is part of the emotional like limbic system. And to really let that out, I don't think you could think your way around it. I mean, maybe some people can, but I think really just expressing it and letting that energy out um, is very therapeutic for people. And yeah, um, you know, you don't, you don't need to take uh, something like psilocybin. It's just a tool. But, uh, you know, at a low dose, it is something comparable to like, I could see a world where instead of drinking a cup of coffee every day, which people are addicted mm-hmm. to, yeah, true. Let's, this is a drug people are addicted to, which allows you to go out. It's a very external, like, um, go get it, go grind, go after it, go like carve out your piece of the world. And this, um, I think the psilocybin is a different direction where it's like, it's still very active in your, your um, doing an action, but it's more of a surrender and a vulnerability with it, which goes a, another direction. Um, so I think it's valuable, you know, with or without the, the microdosing, just the intent of I'm going to be present with where I am and how I feel. And maybe that's going to determine my practice for the day. Um, or guide my goals for the day. Um, and I think this is a great, um, a great shift. Uh, and, you know, it's just another tool, another variable, hopefully that people view as part of training, you know? Yeah. So much, there's so much possibility, so much potential for these different, um, different avenues to be investigated that could really help potentiate a lot of our sort of um, internal potential that we just, that we just don't really allow ourselves to have access to maybe subconsciously and maybe, maybe uh, consciously as well. And it's uh, yeah, it's, it's always interesting, man. And I, over in the States, like I keep saying it to everyone that I talk to based in the States, you guys have just got it good over there in terms of political shit aside, in terms of like the stuff that you can actually, that's available for you. Like obviously you have cannabis that's a, that's legal in California where you are, right? And you got, um, you're going to be close to having psilocybin legalized very soon, if I'm correct. Yeah, I think for, for therapeutic Yeah, use. so that's like, that's the first step. I mean, as soon as that gets put through, then it's only really a matter of time. And just in comparison to the rest of the world, like here in the UK, it's a completely different ballgame. So we're so far away from it, but I almost look over at you guys with like envy and jealousy because it's, I see, I know where you're going. Like it's clear, you can see what this is going to lead to. And it's... uh yeah, it's exciting times for you guys. There's so so much that's gonna come to uh, revelation as such once these sort of these sort of um, other um, modalities and methodologies of um, of basically tapping into your inner self become legal. It's gonna really ch- it's gonna really change the game. For sure. Yeah, and I think uh, hopefully movement in this somatic work 
heads in the same direction because that's available to everyone, you know? I mean, like Chris, what, how important in your life has movement or physical practice been, you know? Yeah, it's, it's very important. I mean, for me, it's the same as like, what do humans naturally do if they're ultra pissed off? Like they're contracts, they're, they're like go in like fetal position, like, and then they just fucking explode and then they kick off. It's like, but if you were to cut out that verbalization of that emotion, what have you got? You got movement. It's an expression of emotion through movement. And it's for me, just being able to express myself in ways that I might not be able to verbalize, but through, physical activity it's been very important for me in my own development um emotional development as well because as with most guys it's kind of what that thing where you're kind of programmed to keep the emotions in you don't show emotions because that's not the manly thing to do it's like you're going to be the the straight edge shooter you're the one who keeps his cool under like under uh sort of uh risky situations and yeah it's normally it's just not it's not the um, accepted thing for guys to be able to express themselves. So you have to be able to find your, it, because you're so programmed to not being able to express yourself um, emotionally through, uh, yeah, through verbalization. It's, I feel like males have the natural inclination then to be able to express it physically. Dude, I, I yeah, I resonate with that in it. I was just in a gym, uh, I was like in Singapore and it, it had the sign up, no grunting allowed, you know? And that made me, that makes me sad that, cause I, you see that like this, uh, um, acts of that are perceived as like aggressive or, um, you know, masculine, like yelling and slamming weights and all these things were, I think men um, are, it, it, there's kind of guilt and shame tied with that for some reason, you know, we're, we're taught that that expression of aggression is somehow, um, I, I, I guess, dangerous. I'm not sure, but I think we need to embrace that. And it's, there's a, in the youth, the male youth in our culture, it's, I think there's a issue going on, a identity crisis or, you know, they have no rite of passage. Um, I think that's why people are getting into things like jujitsu and all these other things where they're, they're able to kind of rough house and like, you know, like get into, you know, release that energy and express it. So I think movement and, you know, conventional exercise is another avenue to be able to explore these parts of ourself and release them. Like you're saying, like get that emotional release out. Um, and I hope that that's embraced in a sense. So a weird thing on my like journey through different phases of exercise, the happiest, most content, most alive I've ever felt was during Olympic weightlifting. Um, and it was weird, just the, the snatch, the feeling of throwing this huge amount of weight that could kill me over my head, catching it and standing up. Um, it, when I was doing that like daily, like a daily heavy practice, um, man, everything in my life, my relationships, my well-being, my confidence, just 
everything was just on point. And I had suffered an injury after that and kind of went into a depression and, and all this stuff. But I, I always thought looking back, like, what was it about that specific movement that made me feel that way? Like that was, that was one of the things I was chasing. I wanted that, you know? And, uh, I realized that it was, I think it was just, it was an external situation that forced my body, um, into this, this fight, you know? And I was looking back, if you look at people doing snatches of these Olympic lifts, they're like, their mouth is open, roaring like a lion. And then they're like catching this weight. It's such a primal quick, like you have no time to think Mm -hmm. it's, and you know, I, I realized that physically I wasn't able after that injury to put myself in that situation for it to be forced out of me. But now I'm practicing with, okay, how can I intentionally express or get into that state without having to uh, force myself by an external uh, circumstance or exercise. And that's kind of like uh, an emotional therapy of letting that out. Can I access that part of me? Um, So I think the more that we could have awareness and control and emotional expression through simple movements, and instead of looking at movements like, okay, this is something, uh, for my, um, for functional hips and legs (laughs) and maybe look at it like, oh, this is something I could use because I had a shitty day at work. I want to like punch the walls. Um, let me access that emotionally, uh, mentally to feel better, which is tied to the physical body, right? It's all tied together. Um, I, I think in, in the future, hopefully we have the somatic practice available as an accepted mode of, of therapy, really. I think it's naturally going to progress to that anyway. I think the more, the more we begin to realize the connection, this sort of holistic um, foundation of our own being, I think it's a natural progression that we will start to integrate those other sort of practices into uh, into coaching, into um, our day to day regime, because I feel like the benefits would be immediate. I think you would feel. I think people would just feel that connection within themselves, and then that puts you on a. As soon as you make that internal connection, and it, it's like the door has been opened, and it's like snap, you snap in, and you're like, okay, this is it. I know, I know what's up now, and then it put it just puts you on a different path, right? Mm. Yeah. And it, yeah, it starts, it starts with, um, intention and awareness and, um, people like you and other people who are, I guess, saying it's, it's okay to explore this. Yeah. This is something uh, acceptable. And, you know, gyms that instead of saying don't grunt are saying, you know, it's safe to, um, to explore these things. And this is a space for you to um, express your physicality. Um, so, yeah, I think we're, we're being more open to these things and uh, yeah, I'm excited to see what, what comes of it, you know, and the, the paths it leads down. Definitely.
For sure, man. I mean, just taking a slight tangent, because I'm guessing people are going to be asking this because they're going to look at videos of you and they're going to be like, fuck, man, this guy is like Wolverine. This He's like a fucking beast. And they're going to be wondering, like, what's your sort of diet, man? Like, what sort of stuff is there? Do you have a specific um, sort of diet regime? Is there do you supplement with anything? Like, what's your sort of day to day looking like in terms of uh, your eating practices? Oh man, my, my diet is, uh, very, uh, anticlimactic. Uh, <laughs> I do the, um, basic like bodybuilder style. Like I count your macros. Um, and, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's very, very simple, very, very structured around, um, calories really so, interesting man um have you is, is not anything there. that you've really decided to delve deep into or is it sort of like if it ain't broke that like don't fix it sort of thing? oh no i so i i tried um <laughs> so i did like uh keto yeah. for five over five months yeah. and um it just wrecked me interesting as the worst i ever felt uh yeah it I went down pretty hard, uh, especially after I was supposedly supposed to be keto adapted. Mm. Um, so I know lots of people do it and they're successful with it, but it wasn't something that, um, was best for me. Uh, so I, yeah, I experimented with a lot of different approaches and what I, and it was kind of validated by, I did the, um, uh, one of the genetic testing that kind of tells you if, are you a, do you metabolize carbs or fat? And it's like, turned out I was a really high carb metabolizer. Probably better suited. <laughs> Which makes sense. Yeah, makes I, sense. Yeah. I grew up eating bowls and bowls of rice every day. So, um, yeah. So I, I figured out intuitively, like I feel best eating this. Um, so now I kind of eat, uh, a high carb diet and um i make sure i mean depending on my goals or whether i want to increase calories or decrease you know i'll modify that but my ratios are totally personal i would never recommend someone else to do um the same macronutrient ratios as me some people i, I it's one of those things you have to internally subjectively try it out yourself see how you feel experiment and um go with what feels best i know some people do better on higher fat some people do better um higher carb some people dude some people might even be optimal with a vegetarian diet um to some degree i don't think you could take one style or way of eating and extrapolate that to everyone needs to eat this way there's always going to be that bell curve with outliers mm -hmm. um and you got to figure out where you are. So I think as objective as I could be as far as giving someone else advice is, hey, look, um, maybe track your food um, and your calories and find out what goal you want to work towards. And as far as what to eat and how uh, the, the ratios, that's something you have to figure out on your own. Maybe start from a balanced approach and see uh, what works best for you. Interesting, man. So yeah, I'm, I'm not into the the diet ideologies. Yeah, no, it's interesting. There, it's it can be it can be easy to fall into like a cookie cutter 
uh, diet where it's like because it because it works so well for one person, you kind of then enforce that onto other people, expecting it to work the same. And um, yeah, it's kind of it's, everyone's kind of guilty of that, to be honest. In the uh, within the fitness industry at the moment, it's like there's always trends of different of different um, different dietary um, dogma that sort of has its time and then something else replaces it and yeah it's just it's just interesting man like physiologically we are all different and we are going to respond to things on a genetic level differently just like you said that you're genetically um more sort of fit for consuming a high amount of carbs whereas some people won't be so it obviously makes sense that you, you for you the the um that extra ability of metabolizing carbs to better proficiency it's going to be much better suited for a high carb diet compared to doing a ketogenic diet, right? Yeah. I mean, I just drank a whole uh, half a gallon of chocolate milk uh, during my workout <laughs> right now. So pe- people would hate to hear that. Yeah, right? they're like, Oh, that's horrible. Devil. But yeah, you probably is not best for everyone. Look, I think there's a percentage of the population, depending on your genetic um, makeup that that would probably do good on like the carnivore diet. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a percentage that would be uh, well off eating vegetarian. And there's a lot in the middle um, on various parts of the spectrum. So when I, (laughs) it's funny because they're polarizing and you see these people get so angry about it, but I'm like, look, these people it's working for, I think it works well for them. And if something else is working for you, it probably works for you. Um, It doesn't have to be, the the fight to see which system will win out in the end. Um, I don't think it works like that. But uh, it, yeah, a, a quick plug, if anyone's interested, uh, I have a nutrition course, 90-day nutrition course um, starting January 1st, if anyone wants to join. And it just teaches how to kind of uh, track, be mindful, and find which um, way works best for you personally. Um, if anyone's interested. Have you got any sort of specific foods that are your sort of staples in terms of performance enhancement? Is there anything that you would be like, if you if someone was coming to you and asking like, uh, what sort of supplement should I be taking? Or is there any sort of superfoods or anything that I should add into my diet that would really help sort of, uh, yeah, really help take me to that sort of next level? Um, no, I, I wouldn't. <laughs> yeah i mean me me personally i I eat mostly whole foods um uh during my workouts uh i've been playing around with just the as high amount of sugar um as i could interesting man literally the people have got their pitchforks ready after hearing that on you you're gonna be waiting outside your gym now because i i feel um I feel better. I feel more energy. I have great workouts. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I do that outside of training, I don't feel, it doesn't make me feel better overall. It doesn't increase my, my performance. So that's just me. Some people maybe like need higher fat, need to drink some MCT oil, um, butter in their coffee before workout. Hey, maybe that'll work for you so yeah it's one of those things i can't recommend um a food for people there's no superfood out there but maybe there's a type of food that your body you know there's an experiment i ran with um 
I got one of the blood glucose testers where you prick your finger. And I would eat meals and prick my finger and test my uh, blood glucose levels to see how my body reacted and processed um, the the carbs I was Mm -hmm. eating. I was testing carb sources. Um, It was weird. Like bread, I handled very well. Bread was one of the things I handled best. Um, But I don't enjoy eating bread. So, yeah, it's funny. Like see how your body... And these are things you could feel intuitively. I'm not telling everyone they have to use uh, an instrument to test. But just see how you feel. I I think that's hard to do. Once again, that's hard to take that internal look and be like, because you have that attached. Like I'm talking about sugar. Right away, people are being like, oh, that's bad. That's not good. Um, But see how you feel. You know, experiment with yourself. Life is just one big experiment. You know, don't let other people limited you know all this data we collect is good i think it's good for telling other people what to do (laughs) but as far as yourself you may be an outlier you may need to um see what works for you personally yeah man i like that that's uh that's good like the all the information out there is cool but you may be the outlier and it's it's true you're only gonna know through self-experimentation and you gotta you gotta see what works for you you gotta you gotta make mistakes you gotta fuck up and be like okay shit well i learned from that one won't do that again and then try something new and if it works then add that to your armory add that to your inventory and then you progress and then eventually you begin to create your own you begin to create your own puzzle which you're piecing together instead of trying to piece together someone else's Mm, yeah and dude how many things how many things work because you believe they work? Yeah, man. You know, like, I was literally just—I literally took the words out of my mouth. I was gonna say it's like with a lo- with a lot of things, it's probably really it, the placebo effect probably has quite a significant play um, with interacting with how you uh, with the benefit you gain from some of these things that you're taking. It's I literally you took the word share out of my mouth, mate. Yeah, it's. I think pe- people underestimate the placebo effect how powerful really it's how powerful our brains are Mm -hmm. our perception is because if you look at any study and the crazy thing is any study um there's always a small percentage sometimes larger but there's always a few that get the same results positive results from uh the placebo right from the the sugar pill and that blows my mind like anything that a powerful drug can do to change your physiology and your body, the mind can also do. Um, so it's like, dude, how do we, <laughs> we just write it off like a placebo effect. Well, dude, how do we, can we access that? Can we, can we use some sort of intentional practice to increase um, our, the power of our perception to influence our body? Like, why are we not, it's almost like we write it off. But yeah, um, I think we should embrace the placebo. Um, like I said, it, it's just a tool. If it works, it works. Um, let's use it, you know? Yeah, for sure. I mean, the science of epigenetics has proven that. It's like these environmental mm-hmm. triggers that can affect your genetic expression. Uh, one of the most powerful ones, one of the most impo- powerful factors and variables is going to be your own belief, your own belief system. It's there's 
been plenty of cases where you can have people that are really ill and they have almost incurable diseases, but through the power of belief, it sounds very woo-woo, they, they cure themselves. And it's that's obviously on the extreme end of the scale, but it can. I'm sure this can also play its part within general diet, certain foods that you take. If you have a if you have a pretty um, solid belief in the effect it's going to have on you, then it probably will have that effect on you. Yeah, Chris, they've done they've done studies on that. Like, there's that one where they gave people a a shake. Um, and they told one group that it was a high calorie dessert type of food and another group that it was a low calorie, healthy shake and their bodies, um, handled it completely different. Like the ones who thought it was healthy, their insulin response was lower. Their digestive enzymes were different. Like they processed it like it was a healthier meal and they didn't, um, have the same effects as the group told, that it was a high calorie, um, you know, quote, bad food. Um, so yeah, that's, I mean, that alone, when I'm drinking that chocolate milk, I'm thinking, dude, I'm, <laughs> this is going to make me, uh, jacked and put on muscles. Like I'm drinking it. Like I'm a farm boy getting some milk. Um, that's just the, the perception I have, uh, who knows, uh, what change it's doing internally. But yeah, I think <laughs> there's something there. Definitely. That, like this, <laughs> I've been having this conversation with people about, um, like if you take one person who's, uh, does yoga every day, goes to, uh, get their cold pressed, uh, veggie juice every day, um, wears, eats all organic, uh, fair trade coffee and like everything, but lives in the city and drives to work and, and kind of deals with stress and has a lot of this technology stressing them out, but they do meditation every day, all these things. And then you go to someone else who's living like in the boonies in the woods and they smoke cigarettes every day and drink every day and they'll have stresses pop up. But for the most part, they're like, ah, they get over it and they, they live their simple life. Who is going to die earlier? You know what I mean? How is that affecting their health markers? And I have a feeling that person who smokes and drinks every day, um, you know, barring if, if genetics are equaled out, will live longer than the person doing everything that's healthy, but is having, um, because of their environment and internal environment, more stressors coming in. So, yeah. Yeah, I think this, this perception, because really stress, stress isn't stress coming from the outside. Stress is your interpretation of these um, information coming in from the environment, right? It's how you um, like pain from a workout is different than pain from someone hurting you. <laughs> you know, um, we handle them differently. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I wonder about these things. Yeah, and I'm sure that, again the power of belief. You can you can begin to. Um not all these stressors on the body are necessarily negative. You'd be able to, with the power of belief, you could maybe turn these stressors, these physiological responses in the body to have, um, to make it have some form of benefit for you. And yeah, it's uh, totally interesting what you were saying and comparing the two. I mean, I think that it, that is something that goes massively under the radar is the effect of 
the stress, the, like how the human body is not designed to cope with modern day stressors in the significant amounts that we get bombarded with in day to day life. So if you're out there living the simple life, just chilling in nature, you've got the sun on you all the time, you're outdoors connected to the earth, um, no stress. Okay, you're smoking some cigarettes. and But other than that, I mean, your body's going to be pretty fresh. It's going to, it's the, all, the benefits of the no stress is going to mitigate the, um, the smoking. Whereas you're in the city, you've got all the good diet. You can have a real good diet. You can have, do your meditation, do your mindfulness. But if you're constantly surrounded by EMFs, you got pressure on you from your job, from your boss that you fucking hate, but you're working because you need to pay, you need to pay off your mortgage um you got kids that you need to look after they're stressing you out because they're doing shit in school and yeah all this is going to play its part play its part in really it's really taking its toll on the internal world if you're not good or you don't have any other ways of mitigating the stress yeah we're so far removed from kind of a, a natural homeostasis you know i feel like the, the meditative aspect of life is, is tied into being around nature mm-hmm. um movement was used to be tied into um just life finding food having to move having to prepare shelter playing yeah um, it, it's funny that the community yeah the social aspect you know the emotional um tribe and connection and um yeah it's like exercise is a supplement it's a modern supplement Mm -hmm. we created because we're missing movement um and then i think this supplement has just been distilled into almost a drug how we treat it nowadays yeah and we're finding that people are (laughs) people are taking this drug and they're actually not it's hurting them in a lot of cases and they're having negative consequences I'm sure, you know, all of us, especially us who like kind of push the limits and are going with higher intensity, um, are finding out, you know, I have multiple times. So it's funny to think (laughs) we're in a, in a profession that is fairly new, very new on the, um, scale of human history. But, um, yeah, we, we, (laughs) if it, it was all there. It was all tied into life um, when we were in nature, which I'm not saying we should go back to being cavemen, but I'm saying, I mean, this is one of the reasons that I like going out in the fields and lifting rocks and stones and other objects um, is you just, it's not a supplement. It's, it's this whole food movement where you get all this variety and goodies and, you're not thinking about the weight. You don't know what the weight is on that. You're just playing around and testing and, and you're, you're changing yourself and orienting yourself to the environment in front of you, not the other way around. You know, it's not about the perfect setup and making sure you have a good bar with weights on that are symmetrical. It's, it's you, um, dealing with what the environment gives you. Um, and I love that. You know, I think people experience that with surfing, with rock climbing, with all these flow state activities, which physically, yeah, it's great, but it's giving you so much more on the 
the mental, um, uh, psychological, emotional, and even like social side, these communities that form around it. So uh, that's another training variable that is kind of devoid in, in the gym culture. Yes, totally agree with you. Dude. I guess you could call it play. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> easier. It's true, man. It's like at the end of the day, it's what we like doing when we're kids, and it? it's it's that child, it's that um, child mentality of just being in the moment and playing, and just it's it's hard to explain unless you've. I guess it's not hard to explain actually. It's just being in the moment and just being yeah completely absorbed at the task at hand without being distracted by any 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 other sort of uh irrelevant shit in your brain you're just yeah you're just playing just having fun and then you're with that it just so happens that you're going to be getting strong as fuck in the process so it all adds to the it all adds (laughs) to the uh to the benefit of it but um yeah man i think that's uh a real good thing just to begin to taper this in now we're a good 90 minutes deep into this so uh what we'll do man i normally the way that i finish these podcasts is that i ask the guest if they could give one physical mental or spiritual tip in order to help someone take their life to the next level apart from what you've said so far in this little chat what what would you go for man Um, I, I guess I'll try to, to stack all those together and recommend, um, next time you are, um, doing a physical movement practice to tie in breath work into that, just to, to stack those together, um, to, to sync the breath with the movement. Um, that's, that's made a big change for me and uh i think it's a valuable um, element to add into your physical practice is there any specific breathwork style that you would uh favor or sort of um any yeah yeah any anyone that you favor in particular yeah if you're doing a um let's say uh, circuit training or uh, endurance training or high rep movement, uh, keeping uh, nasal breathing synced with the movement. Even if you're just doing something for, let's say, range of motion, you're doing some, let's say, Jefferson curls or deficit deadlifts, um, making the breath the um, limiter on there or the main focus. So, Let's say you go down on the inhale. When the inhale stops, you're not allowed to go any further. And then you come up on the exhale. So we think of that. Usually it's like go as far as you can physically control. Um, Maybe switching that to go as far as you can control your breath. Mm. Um, Because you'll see very interesting things happen um, with breathing and range of motion or... um, energy systems type work so yeah making that a a main focus or or element of your training Uh, and also you could flip it like i think people should practice some more uh mouth breathing you know if you're doing a an explosive heavy throw or a you know olympic lift don't do a nasal breath breathe through your mouth maybe let out a yell you know um use that 
um, to tap into maybe more sympathetic response. So yeah, just bringing, bringing that into um, your awareness and using it as, um, as a, a training variable, I would recommend. All right, man. Cool. Thanks for that, DJ. I mean, let's, uh, let's close this one off. It's been, it's been great talking to you, mate. A good vibe that we had going. I loved, uh, some, your outlook on training is definitely different than most. Uh, even find your, um, <laughs> your outlook on nutrition interesting, a little bit different than what I was expecting, but still. <laughs> what, what did you expect? I was, I was expecting that you're going to have shit nailed down and have like this complex plan of, yeah, do this and that. Um, and, got this i've got i'm balls deep into ketosis i'm take i've got my uh <laughs> i take naad plus i do all these crazy i just expected you to have like some crazy shit going down but it's interesting man everyone like you said you summed it up in that point that there's outliers out there and everybody is you're your own person your body you need to work you need to work with your own body and not try and live someone else's uh truth oh i love that yeah find your truth speak your truth yeah do what feels good for sure man it's okay <laughs> yeah that's what i mean if, if it's if it's working for you then fuck what everyone else is doing you need to you're you're the uh you're you're your greatest predictor and of if something's working for you or not you don't need someone else to tell you who's got a fancy degree it's it's all on you at the end of the day and uh yeah, ma'am, just to, yeah. just to tie it all together. Great talking to you. And where can people um, where can people get more of you if, if they've liked what they heard and they want to get a bit more DJ? Yeah, I mean, uh, thank you, first of all, for having me on, Chris. That was, that was a great talk. Um, yeah, I guess just, uh, dude, my Instagram, at strongcamps. Um, and you can find all the other resources through there. It's a good starting point. All right, sound. All right, people, let's call this one a quits for the day, and hopefully everyone's enjoyed listening. So this is the fourth episode of Prime Alchemy Red Pill Initiation Hour. Catch you later, guys. Peace. Peace.